I invite you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 12 to 20. A moment ago, we prayed for our vets, and we also prayed for the election. And we often pray, knowing that the Lord is the one who establishes rulers, um, including those in our government here. And we believe in God's sovereignty but we also believe in man's responsibility, and it's a good opportunity to remind you that there is an election this Tuesday, and if you're registered, you can uh, vote, and we pray that you will vote according to biblical convictions. I'm not going to tell you what that is um, and who that means you're voting for, but you need to be responsible to pray about and look at the issues and vote according to Scripture and your conscience. Well, that said, we are going to be reading verses 12 to 20. This is God's holy and inerrant word. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princess feasts in the morning. Happy you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and the prince feasts at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, And through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Father, we, as we look at the fool this morning, we pray, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom to understand. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, last week we were introduced, or maybe we would say reintroduced to the fool. We learned that a little folly outweighs uh, maybe even years of wisdom and honor. That's verse 1 of chapter 10. We learned that a fool's heart leads him down the wrong path. That's verse 2. We learned that the fool lacks sense. And by his own behavior, he announces to everyone that he is indeed a fool. That's what verse 3 said. And, and so one act of foolishness can destroy years of wisdom. It leads you on the path of destruction. It cannot be hidden. Uh, a fool's actions end up speaking for themselves. And we're going to continue to look at the fool this morning. But this morning, our passage continues that description. It's really a second part of last week's sermon. But Solomon's focus this week's on the fool's work and the fool's words. He looks at the works and the words of the fool. And now for the purpose of this sermon, we're going to focus on his words. However, I don't want to exclude his works, and so we'll quickly here go through the fool's works, and then we'll focus in on his words. Look at verses 16 and 19. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. 
Bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Now, basically, what we have in these verses is an illustration of everything that Solomon just said in verses 1 to 11. We're going to get a picture here of a foolish king in action. And verse 16 and 17 contrast the wise and a foolish king. The foolish king, we are told, had no self-control. And he is indulgent. He feasts in the morning and drinks for the purpose of drunkenness. Whereas the wise king has self-control. He feasts at the proper time for the, for the purpose of strength. And so you kind of see the contrast between self-indulgence and, and the wise king. There's self-restraint. And then in verse 18, we are told of the sloth of the foolish king. He is indolent. His laziness brings the judgment of steady decay. The roof sinks in and the house sinks. And so where does the wise king's self-restraint and strength prepare him for the task at hand, this foolish king's sloth, his laziness, allows his kingdom around him to begin decaying. Well, then in verse 19, we're told the foolish king is indifferent. While laughter, wine, and money were not despised by Solomon, we need to be clear about that. None of those things are evil in and of themselves. The point, verse 19, is that the pleasures of life should not be the only thing the king is concerned with. And that's what's true of this foolish king. What we have here is the personal philosophy of the foolish leader. Eat all you can, enjoy all you can, and get all you can. Who cares about the rest? That's the foolishness of this king. See, such a fool is totally indifferent to the responsibilities of their office or the needs of the people. And, and, and this is true, we know, in government regularly, but you need to understand that it also applies to us as well, not just those in power. Food and drink can be enjoyed. Solomon has said that. But we cannot eat and drink to sinful excess. We must learn to exercise self-control. It's basic proverbs here by the power of the Spirit. Laziness and indifference in the Christian life will only bring destruction. That's the lesson. Proverbs says this, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys, says Proverbs 18.9. The desire of the slugger kills him, for his hands refuse to labor, says Proverbs 21.25. You've heard it before, sloth is a deadly sin. It will destroy the soul that is too lazy to seek its own spiritual progress, its own spiritual good. This is why Peter, Jesus does as well, but Peter warns us, be sober-minded, he says. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's 1 Peter 5.8. And so, basically, there's no room in the Christian life for indulgence, self-indulgence, for indolence, for laziness, for indifference. We're, we're not to be the fool in our work. We're to be wise. We need to show self-restraint and control. We need to have diligence, and we need to be concerned. And see, that's the works. But what about the words? And that's where we really want to focus this morning how we use our words. It's true that a person who lives their life for pleasure is lazy and indifferent is not a wise person. That 
That is true. That's what we just saw. But that being said, the ultimate test of either your wisdom or your folly has to do with your words. How you use your words. And in verses 12 to 15 and in verse 20, Solomon deals with the fool's most frequent sin. His, his speaking, his voice, his words. Throughout the Bible, we're taught the importance and the power of words. We need to understand this. In fact, Solomon has already addressed this twice. Actually, three times. In chapter 5, he wrote, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Let your words be few, he said, for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. In chapter 6, he wrote, the more words, the more vanity. In chapter 9, he wrote, the words of the wise heard and quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. And, and, and these words of Solomon about the use of our words um, it echoes what's said in the book of Proverbs. Uh, the tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. Proverbs 15. Chapter 18 of Proverbs, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels that go down into the inner parts of the body. And so throughout the Old Testament, you're warned about your words. And then in the New Testament, actually the book of Proverbs in the New Testament, that is the book of James, this is what it has to say about your words. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and it's set on fire by hell. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. That's James chapter 3. How we use our words is an acid test on how wise we are. And that's the focus Solomon is placing here. He describes for us how the fool uses his words. If you look at the text beginning in verse 12, he first mentions this wise man. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor. And that's all he has to say about the wise man. He jumps right into the fool. The remainder of the verses address the fool's words. Look there, verse 12b, but the lips of the fool consumed him. Verse 13, the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. Verse 14, a fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. Verse 15, the toil of a fool. Now, the toil of the fool is his endless speech. That's the toil of a fool. Wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. And then in verse 20, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Now, in these verses, what Solomon is doing is giving us five characteristics of the, of the fool's words. They are destructive, that's verse 12, and they are perversely irrational, that's verse 13, and they are uncontrollable, verse 14. They are overreaching, or maybe you would say presumptuous. That's verses 14b and 15, and that they are indiscreet, verse 20. Now, if you didn't get all that and you're taking notes, I'll be repeating them. The first one, they are destructive. Look at the end of verse 12. 
but the lips of a fool consume him. The word consume means swallow up, to engulf, to devour. It means to destroy. The fool blurts out whatever is on his mind. It doesn't stop to consider who might be hurt by it. But in the end, the fool himself is the one who's hurt the most. The lips of a fool consume him, it says. One writer says, when the fool opens his mouth to say something, the words that come out turn right around to swallow him whole. And there's any number of ways this is true. Maybe you say something that gets someone angry. And that person turns around and destroys you. Remember my favorite verse I told you? A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. (laughs) His words end up being the cause of his beatdown. Or think of how our words can destroy relationship. That's true. Or, Or get us in serious trouble at work. You see it all the time. We could go on and on. The point is clear, as Proverbs 13.3 states, He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The, the, the fool's words are destructive. That's the first thing Solomon says. Second, they're perversely irrational. Look at verse 13. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. Now, when, when, a, when a fool talks, it's not surprising that what comes out of his mouth is foolishness. The word beginning could have the sense of source, though. It, it, and so Jesus' words here are fitting for out of the overflow of the heart, the source of the heart, the mouth speaks. It comes from within. That's Matthew 12, Luke 6. His foolish heart, this fool, brings forth foolish words that begin with foolishness, but by the end of his jabbering and all his talk, things get even worse. His talk, we're told, is evil madness. This has to do with moral depravity. It has to do with mental disability. And so a fool's words begins with silliness and it ends in insanity. Foolish speech never stands still. It goes from bad to worse. And yet, the fool never knows when to shut up. He just, he just keeps talking nonsense, which leads to the third characteristic. His, his words are uncontrollable. A fool multiplies words. If you have the King James Version, a fool is full of words. A paraphrase says they chatter on and on. Uh, the fool talks way too much without realizing that he's actually saying nothing. Uh, uh, he, d- he does not quite get the wisdom of Proverbs 10, which says, too much talk leads to sin. Uh, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's Proverbs 10.19. The, f- the fool doesn't get that because he doesn't, he doesn't shut up. A fool is much like a child who, who's had too much sugar. They just, just can't stop. They, They can't keep their mouth shut. Their words are uncontrollable. They almost take a life of their own. Sometimes you wonder if they even know what they're talking about, these fools. And that they are continually talking. And the more they talk, the more grandiose their claims, Solomon says. And that leads to our fourth characteristic. Solomon tells us that the fool's multiplying words leads to presumption. They're overreaching. Look at verse 14. 
A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be and who can tell him what will be after him. As the fool here just chatters on and on, they begin to speculate about the future. And that's the picture here. They voice opinions about unforeseen events that neither they or anyone else can discern. They make these arrogant and boastful claims that they are unable to back up with any rational knowledge. They're quite opinionated, the fool. Phil Riken says they tend to be big talkers. And he says, for some reason, a fool is seldom content to keep his folly to himself, but insist on sharing it with others. They go on and on, even when they don't know what they are talking about. And the more the talk, Solomon's pointing out, the, the more they begin to speculate. They talk about the future as if they know all the answers. Um, or, or, or even worse, that they're in control of the future. That's how they talk. I, here, a good example of this, and it happened in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. It was the main guy. I don't remember his name now. But it's the, it's the guys that get on the radio and predict the future. I mean, in the, the return of Christ. You know, it, he was returning in, I think, 80, and then he was returning in 91, and then, that's right, it was Y2K, he was coming in 2000, and then it was 2004. And, and, and they're still on the radio, they're still on television, it, it, it boggles the mind, but they keep speaking with such confidence, it, it, as foolish as it is. And what happens is it draws people in. Their multiplicity of words sounds so convincing. And they seem to know so much more than you that you figure, well, maybe they're, they have to be right. But they're predicting things they know nothing about. The Scripture makes clear that we're not going to know the day or hour. And Solomon says, no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? He, he, see, again, the fool doesn't grasp the wisdom of Proverbs. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. That's Proverbs 27.1. And so the, the fool's words are boastful. They're arrogant. They're overreaching. They're presumptuous. And, and to help him make his point, what Solomon's going to do now is bring in a little humor. Look at verse 15. I know you didn't read this and start laughing, but you'll get why. The toil of a fool, again, what's the toil of the fool? It's his, his endless speech. He just keeps talking. Wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Now, the fool boasts about these future plans, but he can't even find the way of the city. And in Bible times, the road to the city were well marked. It was obvious how to get to the city. And so what this is, is actually an ancient proverb about foolishness. Maybe you've heard sayings in our day, like, you're so foolish you got hit by a parked car. <laughs> right? You, you laugh at that. You're so foolish that you tripped over a cordless phone. Right? It, it's just silliness. Well, that's what he's saying here. You're so foolish you can't find your way to the city. And yet, you just keep talking. Everyone except the most foolish and incompetent knows the way to the city. And since the fool does not know the way to the city, when he blabbers on about the future, we need to see his words for what they are. They're just arrogant, boastful, presumptuous nonsense. And so a fool's words are destructive, verse 12, perversely irrational, verse 13, uncontrollable, verse 14, presumptuous, verse 14 and 15, and now fifth, 
they are indiscreet. Look at verse 20. Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Now this is actually where we probably get to saying a little birdie told me. From, the, from this verse. And verse 20 tells the story of this fool who, who verbally criticizes the king in the presence of others. And so you can imagine an officer in a private room having a party with his friends and other maybe dignitaries. The king's not there. And he doesn't toast the king. He starts cursing the king. And he makes fun of him. He mocks him. He's being critical of him, whatever it may be. And after the party... People at the party tell someone else, and you know how it goes, and eventually it gets back to the king, and now the king has a reason to punish his critic. And and that's the idea here. In one sense, verse 20 is an illustration of our first. His words are going to bring his destruction, the first point we were making. But it also serves as a separate characteristic of the full speech. Exodus 22 says, "'You shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people.'" You're not supposed to be doing that. And that's what this fool is doing. He's guilty of. Uh, 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 His words are indiscreet. They, They are critical. They are disrespectful. His words end up sowing seeds of discord. They they spread rumors. They tell lies. And even when they're speaking the truth, the purpose of his words is to bring people down. And you see, beloved, it is my opinion, of all the characteristics of a full speech, this is the one we are most guilty of. When I say we, I mean Christians, not not pointing at anybody or myself. We're indiscreet in our speech. We, we, We like to sow seeds of discord. We are gossips. And to drive that home, the importance of this, consider some of these verses that talk about this issue in Scripture. Consider what the Scripture has to say about foolish behavior of, of, of indiscreet and sowing seeds of discord and gossip. Proverbs eleven thirteen, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Whoever goes about slandering, again, reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler, Proverbs 20, 19. The Apostle Paul tells us to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. God takes this seriously. You know, another passage that, especially election time, people want me to bring up is in Romans when Paul talks about these issues of what would be uh, our identity and, and homosexuality and those things, and that's important, and we need to recognize these sins that are, in the, that are prominent today, and, 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 and people actually are mad at you if you just don't agree with them, let alone call it sin. And yet in that same passage, it talks about gossip. And we'll point out the one, but we avoid the issue of gossip because we may not be guilty of homosexuality, but we're guilty of gossip. And this is what Proverbs says. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil, 
a false witness who breathes out lies and one who sows discord among brothers. The Lord hates it. He hates it. And so, Psalm 105, verse 5 says, Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will not endure. And so indiscretion, slandering, spreading rumors, sowing seeds of discord, gossiping is a serious misuse of the tongue. It is foolish, and when such speech is found on the lips of Christians, it's all the more damning. And this is why Jesus says to us, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. I can think of about 12 that I said this morning. We're, we're, we're guilty of this. Every careless word they speak will give an account before the Lord, destructive, perversely irrational, uncontrollable, presumptuous, indiscreet words that we utter. Jesus goes on to say, for by your word you'll be justified, and by your word you will be condemned. That is the value that Scripture places on speech. This speech reveals our heart. It reveals whether we are fools or wise. And most importantly, I think, it reveals our relationship with God, where we stand before God. If we have been foolish and careless with our words, which I think we would all agree we have, and we just read that God hates that, how can we escape God's judgment? And see, left to ourselves, we know the answer. The answer is we can't. We're all guilty of this. So, Who here is willing to say, I have never sinned with my words? And Solomon even here says, don't even think about cursing the king. Don't even think about cursing the president. Every careless word will be accounted for. And see, only a fool would say they haven't done it. And so how do we escape? Well, we know the answer. We need somebody who perfectly fulfills verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor. Literally, that word is gracious. American Standard translate words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious. If ever a man spoke gracious words, it was Jesus. It was our Savior. And we are told in Luke 4.22 that when he spoke, people marveled, that is, at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Since it are out of the abundance of the heart, we are told, right? The mouth speaks out of who our heart is. We need, we need somebody with a perfect heart. And gracious speech will, oh, requires a heart overflowing with love for God. And Jesus had a perfect heart and perfect love for the Father. I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. His heart was perfectly humble. His, his heart was perfectly loving. His heart was perfectly true. He never ever, ever spoke a foolish word. Perfect. And so as one writer has said, when we ask the Holy Spirit to give us the heart of Jesus, that is how we'll be empowered and able to speak the words of wisdom and grace that we need to speak. 
And so this passage that talks about the tongue, that talks about the fool, points to all of us and says we're all fools that all need Jesus. We all need Christ who died for our destructive words, who died for our rational words, who died for our uncontrollable words, for our presumptuous words, our indiscreet words, who died for all those things, all the times that we uttered a wrong word. We need Jesus to forgive us of our words among all the other sins that we commit. And we need Him to give us a new heart. A heart that is empowered by the Spirit. So that we, like our Savior, rather than being fools, can speak words of wisdom and grace to others. That's the example we need to be setting. And, 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 and so, the place to begin is with our mouths. Our mouths. It's with our words. Paul says the word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouths, if you confess with your words, you use your words and you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's not a question. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It's out of the heart the mouth speaks. Jesus changes our heart, and what happens is we speak and we believe. For the Scripture says everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. And so your foolish words in the past, maybe even in the present, have shamed you. I'm sure they have shamed me. The things I think of I said that I've said. Maybe you might not apply this to the words coming in your mouth today. You would just apply it to Twitter. If you tweet things, foolishness there. It can be forgiven though, and you can be cleansed. I can be forgiven and I can be cleansed. We receive the Holy Spirit and are cleansed and we confess Christ and we are forgiven. And once we do that, here's the call for all believers. We begin to wisely speak words of wisdom, words of forgiveness, words of grace, words of comfort, words of truth, words of love. See, you're called to speak words as if you have been, which you have been, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we acknowledge the misuse of our tongues, and we're so grateful for a Savior who is perfect, who never misused His tongue, and who can change our heart. And we pray that you would do that that the world may know and that Christ has risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.